In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, hello and welcome back to the Retirement Pathfinder. I'm Ben George alongside Barbara Lane. And, well, Barbara, we don't have Phil today, do we? Uh, no, we do not. So <laughs> for uh, listeners that are usually listening for a uh, a farm update, you're going to have to wait a couple weeks on that. So, um, no, but I'm excited, Ben. We have a reverse mortgage specialist. We talked about this uh, a couple of podcasts ago that we were going to have a special guest speaker. And the funny thing is, is I had a call Monday from one of my clients asking me when it was going to air. So I told him that... Uh, his phone call was timely. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad we have a guest today, and I'm excited to hear from our guests and learn more about reverse mortgages. I'll just quickly give you the housekeeping stuff before we get started. Again, if you want to get in touch with Barbara and Phil afterwards, want to learn more about reverse mortgages, maybe how it fits into your plan, you can always set up a meeting just by visiting pathfinderchat.com. Again, pathfinderchat.com. And if you want to call Pathfinder Wealth, you can also do that at eight one five three nine 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 eight zero six. All right, Barbara, who we got today? All right. So we have Larry McInerney. Larry has uh, been in the doing reverse mortgages for a very long time. And uh, just to give him a little bit of an introduction, he's been educating and answering questions for homeowners and their families about reverse mortgages programs since about 1999. And as a reverse mortgage specialist, his focus is on helping homeowners 62 and older and their families understand the reverse mortgage loan process from end to end. The uh, name of his company is Reverse Mortgage Funding. And some facts about Larry, he's co-author of The Road to Success, which is an Amazon bestseller. He's been quoted in Bloomberg Businessweek and featured in their reverse review. Well, Larry, you and I had met about 15, I'm thinking when I try and guess about at least 15 years ago, that was through a retirement planning group. And that's when I first heard about reverse mortgages and a little bit more detail was from you. And then since then, you've been our go-to person here at Pathfinder and our specialist for reverse mortgages. Now, uh, we just to give our listeners a little bit of information, we both follow an expert called uh, by the name of Dr. Wade Fowl. For our listeners, that's pronounced uh, Fowl or spelled P as in Peter, F as in Frank, AU. Uh, he's a leading expert and uh, he's an advocate of reverse mortgages. And after today, I think our listeners will understand why. So Larry, I'm going to have you... Uh, if you would just start out by explaining reverse mortgages and, and maybe a brief history of the fees and the early days of, of uh, the reverse mortgages and how that's changed. And then today, I think the options for retirement, a retirement income source uh, before before you know a last resort, which people typically think of as a reverse mortgage, and especially in today's low rate environment. So you, I'm going to give you the floor, Larry. It's all yours. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Barb. And thank you for inviting me in. It's always good to see you. Yeah. A um, little bit of background uh, on me personally. Uh, you kind of mentioned it, but I have been doing and helping people with reverse mortgages since 1999. I, I am an old timer in the reverse mortgage industry. And it's all I do, and it's it's all that we do as a company. It's our it's our total focus and our only product. A quick history: the 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 first reverse mortgage was done in 1960 in the state of Maine, and the story goes that uh, a high school football coach had passed away, um, and. The, the coach, uh, one of his players had gone on to be a banker. And when the coach died, 
the coach's wife was really kind of in, in pretty tough times. And so this loan officer came up with a plan that they would put a lien on the property and then just they would pay her every month. And it, and it really kind of mm. worked out well. And that was kind of the very first reverse mortgage. It was a private one, but but from that, in the Reagan administration in 1988 is when the Department of Housing and Urban Development under the uh, Federal Housing Administration became involved and started to insure reverse mortgages. So most people know from the 1988 on, that's pretty much the reverse mortgage industry. And there's been a lot of changes, which we can go over, but uh, that's when it began. So the reverse mortgage is not a new product. It has been around for some time, but there have been changes, very positive changes over the years. The way that I look at it is the reverse mortgage is a financial tool. And it's, it's, you can look at it as a tool in your toolbox. Every tool that you have in your toolbox isn't the right tool for the job at hand, but you know it is a tool. And I always recommend everybody to know that you have that tool in your toolbox and know kind of how it's used, whether it's the right tool or not for now or, or later, or maybe never is, is, you know, it depends on the time. So that's kind of like I like to relate it to. The basics of a reverse mortgage, kind of a 10,000 foot view, there are the government-insured reverse mortgage programs that be under the Federal Housing Administration. Probably 95% of the reverse mortgages are HECMs. You don't need to remember that, but that just means a home equity conversion mortgage. That's the government-insured reverse mortgage program. And that's the one that started in about 1988 under the Reagan administration. Recently, the large national lenders and us being one have introduced proprietary or private reverse mortgage products where the government is not involved. So those are the two main categories, government insured and private, as far as reverse mortgages go. And, you know, each of them have their own set of underwriting guidelines, but they're very similar. You know, what what you could talk about, Larry, is if you would, uh, the ways that you can access that equity. So there's about four different ways through 10-year period of time, line of credit, those types of uh, uh, ways to to, uh, access the money. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Sure. Um, First of all, the amount that I can lend is based on three factors. It's based on the age of the youngest spouse or youngest borrower. It's based on the actual appraised value of the property, and it's based on interest rates. Those three items go into what we call principal limit or the percentage of the appraised value that I can actually lend. And then once that's established, you know, the money can be taken in a lump sum. In other words, just give me all my money or a portion of it. It can be taken in a line of credit, meaning you know, you only borrow what you want when you want it. And the remaining money stays in the line of credit until you need it. Very similar to a a conventional line of credit program at the bank, um, except it has growth. We'll come back to that in a second. That's very, very important for financial uh, retirement income planning. And then it can be taken in what's called a tenure, T-E-N-U-R, meaning the, the monthly payments are spread over your lifetime. And, you know, so there, there's a lot of options or a combination of all three. Um, 
There are some caveats with the fixed rate versus a line of credit uh, on what you can do. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, that's pretty much how it's established. Um, so as an example, if we have a $200,000 appraised value home, you know, depending on your age, if I can lend, I'm going to use an easy number, 50%, it, it actually runs from 45 to 70%, but let's use 50. That means your lending limit would be, uh, I can lend $100,000. So we, we leave a lot of equity in the property because you never have to make a payment mm -hmm. in your lifetime as long as one of the borrowers lives in the home as their primary residence, and as long as they pay the property taxes and keep the home insured. So that's what, that's what you would have to do with the reverse mortgage, live there as a primary um, and continue to make your property tax payments and keep the home insured. Now, would they have more availability depending on the age? In other words, if they took out a reverse mortgage, say at 62 versus 80? Yes, if, uh, if again, actuarially based. So the, the heaviest weighted factor are interest rates. The lower the mm -hmm. interest rate, the more available funds. And we are in a rising rate market right now. So that is affecting that percentage, that principal limit I talked about. But as, as they continue, if someone is 80 years old, I can lend more than someone who is 62 years old or, or 55 years old because their life expectancy is less. Therefore, sure. I can lend more. I see. Okay. You know, I've had a couple of clients that have done reverse mortgages and their, their kids always ask the question, uh, can their heirs walk away from a reverse mortgage? So in other words, if the home is worth less than the mortgage, are the kids responsible? Good question. If no payment is ever made in a reverse mortgage, it doesn't mean there's not interest. It is a mortgage and there is interest accruing on the amount that has been borrowed. So every month when you get your financial or you get your mortgage statement, if no payment was made, voluntary payment was made that month, you'll see the loan balance increase a little bit every month by the amount of interest that's not paid. Thus, the reverse mortgage, it works backward from a regular mortgage. The mortgage becomes due, like I said, when the last surviving spouse leaves the property. And so the principal, what was borrowed, and the interest becomes due all at one time in the end, not every month as it would be in a traditional loan. Now, in a reverse mortgage, uh, let's just assume we're back to 2008 and 9, and we have a big housing bubble. You know, so we lose 40, 50% of the value of the home. If for any reason in a reverse mortgage, in the end, when the last surviving spouse leaves the property, if for any reason more is owed on the reverse mortgage loan balance than the home is worth, in other words, it's underwater, the borrower and their heirs are not liable to pay the shortage. They're not responsible for that. In the HECM, the government will come in out of the insurance program that mm -hmm. everyone who has a reverse mortgage pays into, sure. making the cost higher. But that's where the government would come in and pay the lender the shortage, and there, there's no deficiency judgment and in, on either proprietary or on the uh, HECM loan. Okay. Now, Larry, you and I were talking about um, the typical age of 62 for the HECM. Uh, reverse mortgages, but with proprietary products, uh, you can actually do a reverse mortgage at age 55. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. On our proprietary product, I don't know the competitors, all the ins and outs of the competitors, but on our, our product is called Equity Elite. And the minimum age would be 55 years old 
on our Equity Elite program. So um, it has, uh, there's a lot more people that qualify now. And, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm asked, well, why, why would someone want to do it at 55 or something? Uh, I, I just closed a loan in Arizona yesterday where um, I had a 75-year-old borrower and a, a, I think she was 60 years old. And they both want to be on the loan because they're both on title to the property, which would matter. But it, it, she wanted to be on the loan too, such that if anything happened to him and he does have some medical issues, that the loan, you know, even though it wouldn't become due on her, she wanted to be able to stay in the property. And on the equity elite, there, you know, there's not a non-borrowing spouse. I won't go into the details on that. So she, you know, it, it it would be something where she wanted to be on the loan with him, so so she could live there, irregardless if anything happened to her husband or not. Okay. And then another instance, uh, sometimes um, you know, you're able to draw a hundred percent of the funds if you want it all up front. So there's a lot of things that we talk about back and forth as to which program might be best suited. Yeah. Because the old rules were that uh, one if one had to be 62 years of age uh, for reverse mortgage, and if the other spouse, but if something happened to that spouse, the younger spouse didn't qualify, that something happened to the 62-year-old or older, then the spouse had to leave the home, correct? Well, the loan would become due. The loan would become and that, due. And that's where a lot of the negative press on a reverse mortgage came about is because of that. Now they, yeah. you know, that was, it's a HUD rule, but yes, that's, that's not good. They, it has been fixed yeah. since 2015, but, but still that's where a lot of the negativity came from with reverse mortgages. Yeah. Because I remember hearing things like that back then. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Wade Pollard mentions that reverse mortgages cannot be viewed in isolation. In other words, the costs, even though yeah, there's costs, of course, but those are more than offset by the gains in the financial plan. Do you see costs as an issue with homeowners? Until it's understood by the homeowner what the costs are for, yeah, initially it is because because on the government program, they charge 2% of the appraised value to insure the, the borrower, which means that what I went over, there's no liability in the end for the heirs and that type of thing. And everybody who has a reverse mortgage pays into this mortgage insurance program, kind of you can view it as pooled insurance for, mm-hmm. for everybody who has a reverse mortgage. And then in the event, you know, maybe it's upside down, that's where the money comes from for the government to pay the shortage. And and that's why the government is involved. This is not a government funded and subsidized program. Um, It it is sustained by people who have a reverse mortgage. So that's another big fallacy. This is not government money. We are the lender, but the government is insuring it through this mortgage insurance program. Which may be why people think that the government owns your property rather than you. Exactly. There's no change to the deed. Most times I can close in trust. If it's in a trust, we don't have to take it out of a trust and put it back in. Sometimes the irrevocable trusts are a little challenging, but uh, most people don't have eyelets. Okay. And I didn't know you could even uh, still keep it in the trust. Most, If it's a living trust, most of the time we leave it right in trust. Might have to make a amendment to the trust allowing for the reverse mortgage. But other than that, I usually always close in trust if it's in a trust. Okay. That's good. Now, now conventional, we call it last resort wisdom, uh, has a tendency to hurt retirement sustainability. You know, and I think by that, we, we, we think about um, they could have missed, they're missing out on an income stream. So what you typically may have seen, or maybe not with new programs, Larry, in the past was that people wait until they spent 
they spent on most of their retirement dollars. And then it's like, okay, now it's time to look at another source. And then they look at the equity in their home. And um, can you talk a little bit about that, about why they may want to consider before that time? Sure. And this is really what Wade Fowle talks about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a, he's just a genius. But in a reverse mortgage, the amount that you have available in your line of credit, I'm just going to throw a number out to make it easy. Say you have $100,000 of available funds in your line of credit, but you haven't taken it yet. You don't need it. It's there for for your lifetime to draw, depending on the program. It might be a 10-year draw, but on the HECM program, it's lifetime. And you know, it's it's actually going to grow. Now, this is unique to a reverse mortgage as a financial product. So if you have $100,000 available line of credit, and it's growing at 5%. In other words, that 100,000, it's just like having $100,000 in the bank with a guaranteed 5% return, although this is not interest, but the amount that you can borrow will grow. So that 100,000 in 12 months will be, you'll have available $105,000. And then in another year, you're going to have another 5% on the 105,000. So you're compounding in your favor, actually. And that's what Dr. Fowle talks about is what you're actually doing is creating a fourth bucket or another bucket for your retirement income stream. And there's something called sequence risk where, you know, sometimes depending on the market that we're in, you may not want to pull funds from your portfolio because it might be difficult to recover. So you have another option on where to pull funds i.e. your reverse mortgage. And then when the market comes back, you can work with your financial planner and work with Barb and Phil as to as to how to coordinate that that uh, withdrawal strategies, because it gives, you know, Barb and Phil another option on where to draw to make sure that your portfolio is performing at maximum peak. And that's a lot what Wade talks about in his book. Yeah, I think that's a very good idea to buffer the sequence of return risk. You know, the market's down and the next year we just withdraw from the uh, line of credit or the money available from the uh, reverse mortgage. Now, Larry, with the uh, line of credit too, there's also a loan balance rate. So, I mean, but the, actually the line of credit is exceeding, or the, the interest rate on the line of credit itself is exceeding that loan balance rate, which is why there's so much money that accumulates in the the interest charge to the money borrowed, the interest being charged to the loan balance that's been borrowed will always equal the growth rate on the money that hasn't been borrowed. In other words, the unused part of your line of credit. We're talking line of credit only now. So if in my example, 5%, if you have money that you've borrowed, um, the interest is going to accrue at 5% on that money borrowed the money that you have left available unborrowed is going to grow at 5%. Now, these are variable rate mortgages. It's a line of credit. So if the interest rate goes up, it's good news and bad news. The interest rate will go up a little bit on the money that you've borrowed, but the growth rate on your unused funds will, will increase you know, equally. So they're always going to be equal. It'll move up and down depending on our economy. Right now, we're probably moving in the up position right now. But again, that's kind of how it works. So it depends on where your balances are. Okay. So actually, if you, if I think uh, Wade Fowle talks about uh, 
accessing a reverse mortgage, taking out a reverse mortgage early in retirement, say maybe age 62, for example. And if you don't use it till maybe mid 80s, 85, 87, then you have a, and you access that money in the right way, you could have a windfall because of course, what's due is the value of a home. That's what I think is fantastic. That, that it really is. And you're, you're right. The Wade file says it's better financially planning speaking to set it up earlier rather than waiting as a as a loan of last resort because if it's a 20-year window and you set up at 62 you've got 20 years of compound growth right. working in your favor that at any time you can withdraw at any time you convert to monthly income at any time you know you have all the options but what you've done is taking taken equity in your home which is an illiquid asset and you've turned it into a liquid asset that you can control and you know i i always use this i should probably do the math but if you have a hundred thousand dollars available and let's say the average uh growth is five percent for 20 years that's that's a that's a real big number, and I, I look at it myself personally. If if something happened to me, that would give my wife a lot of options. If she has three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, or whatever that number is, as another income bucket. If something happened to me, it would give her options to not have to leave the home. It just gives sure. her a lot more available funds. Sure, and she could use it for healthcare. She could use it for home improvements. You know, to make life easier for herself. Well, I have one last question here, and that is, uh, can you have a reverse mortgage on your residence and then use the income from that to purchase another home? By all means, I, that, that's done quite frequently. Quick story that uh, I did one a long time ago um, where I had a couple and uh, the, they're very, very knowledgeable people about a reverse mortgage. And he uh, deeded the home into his his own name in Illinois. This was actually in Illinois. And his wife became a Florida resident. And uh, so he did the reverse mortgage just with himself in one state. It freed up money. They bought a condominium in Florida in her name. And then she did a reverse mortgage in Florida. And therefore, they have two homes with no mortgage payment and freed up a good amount of money. Um, I I don't know. It was a long time ago. I'd have to check the underwriting rules. But to, to answer your question, yes, you can. There's no limitation on what you do. Okay. It's your money. I mean, your your financial advisor would probably have you know recommendations on what you can and can't do, or should or shouldn't do with it. But as far as we're concerned, it's your money. You you can do what you want with it. No limitations. Okay. So lastly, what what is the biggest misconception people have about a reverse mortgage that prevents them from moving forward? A um, couple of things. Probably the, the the number one myth is that the government's you're selling your home to the government or deeding it to someone. And yeah. absolutely not true. You you must remain owner of the property and entitled to the property and deed either in trust or or yourself. That's probably number one. Um, the other big misconception is that. Uh, uh, the, the cost, because the, the cost, the, like I said before, the government, just their one fee, they charge 2% of appraised value. So you're going to see that the costs are higher. Than but our, not with yours, but with the proprietary, it's oh, much, much less. Oh, I'm sorry. Our proprietary, you know, depending on the state, um, we have 
total closing cost as low as $125. Yeah, that's a huge difference. And, you know, some states, I think, like Florida, Georgia, some of them that have intangible taxes and other taxes that we can't credit. But for the most part, the closing cost on, in most states on the line of credit equity elite program is $125. Yeah, that's okay. That's very good. That's a very good cost. Well, I just want to encourage our listeners to reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com and schedule a 15-minute phone call. I can tell you that Larry spends a lot of time educating each homeowner before they proceed. And this could be a retirement income source to strongly consider and to look at now and not necessarily, as Larry said, as a last resort income. So thank you, listeners, for uh, joining us. And Larry, thanks for coming. We appreciate you. you And and, uh, we'll look forward to having you back again. All right. Thank (laughs) you. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.